Good morning. There are two readings this morning. Firstly, we have extracts from Matthew chapter 2, which can be found on page 966 in the Pew Bibles. And then we have Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 14, which can be found on page 977. So from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And at verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In chapter 12, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests? Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you'd known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I pray you'll take my small words, my small thoughts... And then you'll you'll make them bigger so that they can help us today and that you'll accomplish what you want to accomplish through us thinking about these passages together today. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning we're thinking about, is Jesus the same as any other religion? Is Jesus the same as any other religion? And the first reading we've just had should be pretty familiar to many of us. The magi, or wise men, were following the star. They're coming to Jesus 
in Bethlehem and worshipping him as king of the Jews. And if you've been along to the live nativity, you'll be very familiar with the story. So it's a familiar story, isn't it? Most of us know it quite well. But in the familiar there can often be, we can often be so used to it that we miss things. Um, We miss some things it's saying to us. So let me ask you a question first of all. How many magi, wise men, were there? How many? Pardon? Many. Yeah. Well, there could have been two, or there could have been 52, actually. But why do we assume it's three? Well, because there were three presents, and that's sort of embedded into us. So it's always three, isn't it? But actually, it could be two, it was more than one, or it could be 52. And of course, in our familiar story, we can miss the significance too of these magi, these wise men from the east, which is over there, I think. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and they came some distance away from Persia, maybe, which is Iran today, or Mesopotamia, which is, includes Iraq, Kuwait, Turkey, and Syria. So they came a long way to come to Jesus. They weren't local. They had different beliefs to the Jewish people. They were magi. They looked at the stars for guidance. They were astrologers. That's why they followed the star to Bethlehem to find this new king, Jesus. And when they arrived to meet this very young child, Jesus, under two years old, um, they worship him. They, they worship him. They physically, they bow down There's this baby there, and they worship him, or this child. He might even be able to stand up, I don't know. So right at the beginning of the Bible account of Jesus, written by Matthew here, we see these magi who came far away from the east to Israel, led by their knowledge of the stars and astrology to worship a living, breathing human being, a new king, Jesus. And I think maybe one of the reasons that Matthew uh, included this account with the Magi in this account of Jesus' life is, I think, to point out to us that Jesus is special in some way. Jesus is special. He's not just for the Jewish people who he was born into. He's for everyone, including foreign Magi astrologers from a different religion and set of beliefs. Jesus is so different and special. He's a king for the whole world and for all people no matter what their religion or set of beliefs. And I believe God drew those magi through what was familiar to them in their belief in astrology. They followed a star because that's what they focused on. And they believed everyone had a star who uh, represented their birth. So they followed the star to Jesus. And God worked through that belief to bring them to worship this new king, Jesus. Now, I think we can miss how strange this is. You know, it's just, this is strange. This is odd. Because would you come here to St. John's Church this morning and would you bow down and worship me? I'm a living, breathing human being like Jesus. Would you bow down and worship me? Well, you wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't. Yet these astrologers travelled a vast distance to worship Jesus and bring him presents. So what's going on here? There must be something special, something different about Jesus. There must be something different about Jesus from all the rest of us, I would have thought. So what's this thing that's special 
about this human being, Jesus, who's a king, but not born in a palace, but born in a stable. Well, I think the next reading from Matthew 12, and if you can find that now, that would be good, um, in your Bible. I don't know if you remember the number, but uh, it's Matthew 12. See if you can find it. Sorry if you're not familiar with the Bible. But, um, and here we have Jesus when he's older. So he's no longer under two years old. He is around 30 or so. And um, he, he uh, is walking through the fields with his friends and followers. And they're all around a similar age to him or a bit younger probably. Okay? So they're quite young. I think they're very young now that I'm 66. Anyway. So they're walking through the fields. And I want, I want us to think about what's it like... Um, being with Jesus, what's special and different about him? What's it like for those disciples, those followers? What's it like being with Jesus? Well, first of all, if you look at this passage, they're walking through the fields, I think it's quite relaxing being with Jesus for his friends, his followers. It's quite relaxing. Because Jesus and his disciples, they're walking through a field, they're hungry. So they eat some grains of corn as they walk. Now at that time, if you ate corn as you went through a field, it wasn't seen as stealing. Um, if, you, if you got a scythe and tried to cut the field down, you know, that was seen as stealing. But if you're taking a few handfuls, that wasn't seen as stealing. So what they were doing was no problem normally, but it was Saturday. It was the, it was the Sabbath, which is still in Jewish culture, and obviously Christians uh, uh, acknowledge the Sabbath as well. And it's the day when people should rest as God rested after the creation of everything that is. And the Pharisees were watching Jesus to try and criticize him. The Pharisees were very religious people, and they thought that to please God and win his favor, to be in his good books, you had to obey very detailed rules. And they made very detailed rules too, and focused on them as a way of pleasing God, rather than nurturing their relationship with God. And they made loads of rules about not working on the Sabbath, the day of rest. But, by contrast, Jesus is very relaxed. He's not concerned that his friends, his followers, eat some grain as they come along, because they're hungry, they naturally need to eat. He's not concerned. And the disciples feel relaxed enough to behave naturally in Jesus' presence and satisfy their hunger by picking grain. So Jesus here is more concerned that his friends are hungry than the rules the religious people have come up with. He sees his disciples' well-being as more important than religious rules. So I think, first of all, it must have been very relaxing with Jesus, following him around as he spoke to people and helped them wherever he went. Jesus is special. So the disciples wanted to be with him. Jesus is special, that's why the Magi travelled all that way from the east uh, to, to see him following the star. But then Jesus did something else that showed how special he was, he is. And again, it showed how he wanted to help people, even if it broke the rules of the religious of the time, the religious leaders. Because the religious leaders had taken their rules so far that it said it was work to heal someone on the Sabbath. It was work to heal someone on the Sabbath, to help someone on the day of rest. So they said you shouldn't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus saw this man 
who's suffering from a withered hand, which would obviously have had major implications for him getting, uh, being able to work and have a job, and it would affect him in lots of negative ways too, other ways. So Jesus said to these rule-loving religious leaders, he said this, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. All Jesus said, he just spoke. He just said, stretch out your hand, and the man was healed. He just spoke. Now this is really special. Jesus clearly puts human need above religious rules, but he also miraculously heals this man's damaged hand. And the disciples must have had an exciting time, therefore, I think, as well as a relaxing time when they were with Jesus. Doing, he did unexpected things like healing too, so it's very exciting. And what kind of person can heal people miraculously like this? They must be thinking that, mustn't they? What, what is this? What's going on? On another occasion, we can see how relaxed Jesus was, but also how exciting it was being with him. And it's a story I'm sure many of you know. Jesus was tired after healing many people, speaking to them. He fell asleep in a boat that they were traveling in across Lake Galilee. And when, when a storm hit the boat, which often you had suddenly storms, you, you still have them on Lake Galilee, the water was coming in over the side. It's really bad storm. And the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked, note that word rebuked, he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. And then these, these friends of his, these followers said, what, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. So the disciples knew Jesus was special and now this was really blowing their minds, so to speak. He was a man telling the wind and waves off. He's rebuking the wind and waves for threatening his friends with drowning. So Jesus was incredibly relaxed, able to sleep on a storm in a boat. He was so tired and at peace. But then he was able to control the wind and the waves with a word, just like he'd healed that man with a word. And he rebuked the wind and the waves, and they obey him. What kind of man is this, they said. What kind of man is this? So they've seen Jesus' love and compassion in wanting them not to go hungry on the Sabbath, so they were free to pick grain. They've seen Jesus' love and compassion stand up to the rule-keeping Pharisees, heal the man's hand. They've seen Jesus control the wind and the waves to get them out of trouble. And we could well ask, what kind of man is this? Along with the disciples. Because the disciples have experienced the way their religion had become in their society. You imagine living in that society with all these rules, sort of hemming you in. With this focus on rules, keeping rules as the way to know God. And here they were with someone completely different. He was so refreshing, relaxing and exciting to be with. It must have been a relief from all the religious rules just to focus on following Jesus. And with Jesus, it was about knowing him, learning from him by what he did and said. It was completely different to the religious atmosphere of their society, which focused on this rule-keeping as a way to please God. 
And with Jesus, he just simply said, follow me, follow me. And Jesus acted like he was God, really, as well as a human being, if you think about it. He healed, he corrected the leaders' focus on rules, he calmed storms, only God can do that. So for the disciples, it was relaxing being with Jesus, it was exciting being with Jesus, it was mind-blowing being with Jesus, because he acted like he was God, and he showed love and compassion for people, and only asked them to follow him. He didn't say, you've got to obey lots of rules and be very, very, very good, and then you can follow me. He didn't say that. He just said to those disciples, follow me, follow me. So, do you think Jesus is the same as any religion? So, I think now we're starting to see that Jesus is someone special. Somehow he's a human being, but he's also God. He can heal people. He can calm storms. He can control nature. Now, I, I really... Probably the major I had no idea about all that when they came to worship Jesus as this young child, baby. But Matthew is making it clearer to us in this account that Jesus is somehow both human and God, somehow human and God. That's a lot for us to get our head around, isn't it? You know, there's been a lot written about it, and I don't think we'll ever fully understand it. But that's the case. And it was a lot for the friends of Jesus to get their head rounds too. They certainly didn't find it easy to understand. And apparently only Buddha and Jesus were asked this question, not just who are you, not who are you, but what are you? Like what, what kind of man is this? What are you? They were asked. And Buddha said he was not God or some angelic being. However... Jesus, by contrast, did repeatedly claim to be God. He claimed to be the God of the universe. He said he was God. And there are lots of other times the disciples, the friends of Jesus, experienced Jesus acting like God. Here's a few that you may be familiar with, you may not be familiar with. The disciples saw Jesus in his great love heal a man who was paralyzed, but Before he healed him, he said to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, think about it. Jesus had never met this man before. He was the one let down through the roof, if you know the story, by his friends. And he'd never met him before. The man had not harmed Jesus personally, as far as we know. So how could Jesus say, Your wrongdoings are forgiven? Everything you've messed up in your life is forgiven. Well, that doesn't make sense unless, why would Jesus say that unless he was God who knows us, he knows us, and he's upset in his great love when we don't act in a loving way like he does as God. So when we hurt someone else, we hurt God too. So in forgiving the man, Jesus is effectively saying, I know you, I know you, and I'm forgiving you today. I know you and I'm forgiving you because he's God. I'm God forgiving you. And if we decide to follow Jesus, he says the same to us. No matter what what we've done, how we've messed up in life, he wants to come and forgive us. He wants to forgive us if we come to him. On another occasion, the disciples heard Jesus refer to God as Father. That's very intimate. 
isn't it? Father. Sometimes Abba, which you can translate it as Daddy, or there's debate about that. But he referred to God as Father very personally and intimately. And Jesus also referred to himself as God's Son. And then Jesus said he can give his followers eternal life. Eternal life. So if you... In John, he, John wrote about this, and he quoted Jesus, where Jesus said, For my Father's, that is God's will, is that everyone who looks to the Son, that's Jesus, and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the, the last day. He doesn't say God will raise them, or my Father will raise them at the last day. He says, I will do it. So he's saying, I'm God. I will raise you at the last day. So the followers of Jesus heard him claim to be able to raise the dead to eternal life life and of course when Jesus was about 33 he was killed and the disciples found it hard to believe what he'd said about rising from the dead to eternal life they hadn't really taken it on board it's a bit mind-blowing probably but they changed their mind when they saw him risen from the dead they saw him afterwards so ultimately Jesus proved his words were not just talk He proved that those words were true to his disciples in rising from the dead himself and being seen by over 500 witnesses on several occasions. Now, you you might be struggling with that. You might find it hard to believe too. But we can see from evidence outside the Bible, and I'm not saying the Bible's not good evidence. It's very, very good evidence. Um, But I'm quoting evidence here written not by people who are Christians, not by Jesus' followers, but by people who who weren't really interested in Jesus or even enemies of Jesus. If you look at the historical records, you can find that their evidence admitted that Jesus performed miracles. Yes, they said he did it by the power of evil or something because they didn't like him, but the fact that they said it pointed out the fact he did do miracles. And they also said that he was regarded as God by the early followers of Jesus that they were persecuting. So they admitted then that the the early Christians definitely believed Jesus was God and he'd risen from the dead. And that's in, remember that's not in the Bible, although it is in the Bible, it's in this evidence outside of the Bible. And those early disciples of Jesus were prepared to be killed for their belief. Jesus' followers believed that Jesus was somehow human and God, that all we have to do is follow him, come to him, and he'll accept us without having to obey lots of religious rules and try and be terribly good. He just accepts us as we come. And that belief stood out amongst all the religions and belief systems of the world then, and it stands out amongst all the religions and belief systems of the world now, today, in exactly the same way. So do you think Jesus is the same as any religion? Because I believe if you look at the religions and belief systems of the world, they all tend to have something in common. The basis of other religions and belief systems is that we, all we have to lift ourselves up to God's level of goodness to win his approval. We have to lift ourselves up by striving and climbing and trying to get up there. We have to keep the religious rules, many of them which may be good things to do, to win God's approval. We have to climb and strive and climb to get to God. Or if the belief system doesn't explicitly refer to God, it then 
will see the gaining of knowledge or self-discipline as the way to success in life. Like with the Magi, the wise men, they knew about the stars and they had a great deal of knowledge. They gained knowledge which made them better astrologers. They knew about the stars and the planets and so on. But of course the problem with this is that we can never keep to all these rules. We can never be self-disciplined enough. We can never know everything. So we fail at following the rules. We, we don't, never have enough knowledge. And we never discipline ourselves enough. We strive, we climb, we try and lift ourselves up to God's level, or to the level set for us. We never manage it. Rather like so many New Year's resolutions, I don't know how many you've kept or how many you made, but so many of those, that unfortunately, have gone by the wayside by... January, it's the 23rd, isn't it? I'm sure many have gone by the wayside already. That's what we're like. So in contrast with other religions, Jesus lowered himself as God and he came to us to live as a human being. Jesus came down to us. He met us where we are. He lived in our neighbourhood and with us because he wants a relationship with us. God loves us so much, he wants a relationship with us. And he wants that so much that he came to us in Jesus, born as a baby, growing into adulthood, showing his love and goodness to us so that we can choose to follow him like those early disciples if we want to. We can follow him today. So do you think Jesus is the same as any other religion? Because he's special. He's a human being as well as God. He's for everyone all over the world, including foreign magi astrologers from a different religion and set of beliefs. Jesus is so special. He's a king for the whole world, for all people, no matter what their religion or set of beliefs. And remember, he's relaxing to be with. He's exciting to be with. He's challenging to be with. And he wants a relationship with us. We don't have to keep to religious rules to try and have a relationship with him. What a relief. We don't have to jump through any hoops of knowledge or being really clever to have a relationship with him. What a relief. He's come to us rather than making us go to him. He has lowered himself to this earth so we can be lifted up, encouraged, supported by him if we choose to follow him. And John, in those famous words, wrote, he was a disciple, he was a very close friend of Jesus. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So all we have to do is turn to him, trust him, follow him, believe in him like those early disciples and friends of Jesus And we can experience that eternal quality of life now and in the future, even beyond death. We can experience a relationship with Jesus who is relaxing to be with, exciting to be with, challenging to be with. And we won't stay in the same place once we come to him. We won't stay the same because he will make us more loving and kind like he is as he supports us each day through his Holy Spirit who lives in us and changes us. Now, I've, I've uh, got a brief clip here just to show you, to finish, uh, from Kunjal, who came on the Case for Christ course a couple of years ago. I'm on a Zoom call with her. 
and um, I'll be running the course again after Easter. And Kunjal talks about the difference that Jesus has made to her. So I'll hand over to her. After doing um, the course, um, I could see that the evidence was compelling that Jesus is God and Jesus did come down to earth as the son of God and he lived and then he died. And the historical evidence for that is just, you can't dispute it. Um, and that's something I wasn't aware of before doing the course. Yeah, so you move from see, seeing him uh, slightly mysterious to seeing him, oh, actually, he's God. He's yes. come and helped us by dying on the cross. Is that a, a yes. fair picture of what you're saying? Yes, and I've got to admit, before doing the course, I had no idea about the significance of Jesus dying and being resurrected. Mm. Um, I didn't completely understand that at all. And you, you mentioned too that you pray, you were praying and you felt a sense of relief about being able to talk to God as you go into each day. Yes, yeah, that's something that's come to light more probably since the course, that I feel like I can have a conversation with God where I just literally offload and say, look, you know, this is what's going on in my life. I've got no idea where I'm going whether it's right or wrong but you know I have trust and faith in you that you will you will guide me and I just feel a huge sense of relief um once I've had that conversation and I think I said to you earlier it's unlike a conversation that I've had with a fellow fellow friend or colleague um it didn't doesn't provide the same sense of 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 relief as a conversation with with God does so do you want that same sense of relief that Kunjal's talking about? And she says it's not like a conversation with, with a friend or something, although God is our friend, but it's on a different level. That's what she's saying there. If you want to hear more stories um, about people and their relationship with Jesus, then do come along next Sunday evening, as uh, Victoria mentioned, at 6 o'clock here, and you'll hear more stories about following Jesus. So do you think Jesus is the same as any religion? And if you want to discuss that further, do chat to Victoria and myself afterwards or chat to someone you trust that you know here. Do chat to them about it. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord of all, we we thank you that it's so exciting being with you. It's so challenging being with you. It's so relaxing being with you. We thank you that you want a relationship with us. So Lord, help us to turn to you, whether it's for the first time or after many times. May we turn to you, the Lord who loves us so much that he gave his life for us so that we could have life, life eternal. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.